Support for An Honest Account comes from Moneybox, the award-winning app helping people save and invest for their future. Moneybox allows you to invest with your spare change, from your morning coffee to your bus fare, rounded up to the nearest pound. Moneybox offers a range of savings and investment accounts and makes it super easy to use. All you do is sign up in minutes and get started with just one pound. Join over 200,000 people saving and investing for their future with Moneybox. You can download the app today or head to moneyboxapp.com for more details. Please remember that with all investing, your capital is at risk. And thank you to Moneybox. An Honest Account, a podcast about how money affects our lives, our health, work, relationships and more. So wellness, kefir, kombucha, matcha, goop, insta, jade eggs, bikram. If you don't know these words, then you're not up to date on your wellness trends. Wellness is big business these days, valued at over 4 trillion. But what is just a sensible, healthy way to live and what is a crazy, unhealthy fad? I'm Rachel Revis and today I had a chat with Rachel Hosey, a senior lifestyle reporter at Insider and a fitness and nutrition columnist. Rachel has tried everything from orange theory to the phantom drink at Starbucks. She also documented her journey of losing half her body fat in six months. Perfect material in the run up for Christmas, I know. Rachel and I discuss the industry of wellness, how much we spend, how we keep up, spoiler, I don't, and how we can maintain healthy boundaries between wellness and madness. So Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today. You were literally the first person that sprang to mind when I thought about this topic because you've written about all kinds of lifestyle and wellness things and the good and the bad of it and um I was scrolling through what you wrote last night and I came across some interesting some interesting things like orange theory yeah so tell me about that what the hell is that so well I mean firstly thank you so much you're so very honored that you thought of me (laughs) um so yeah in my current job um for insider I write about a lot of health and fitness issues topics and I also get to go and try things out a lot which is really fun and it feels like a real privilege so orange theory is um this like kind of growing workout studio um and it's all about it's all about you know you get these heart rate monitors and it's all about getting your heart rate in what they call the orange zone which is apparently the optimal zone for burning fat not just during your workout but afterwards as well And so they have, you'll see there's like screens in the workout studio and you can see what colour you're in, your heart rate is in at the time and you're aiming for, I can't actually remember what it was now, but a certain um, number of minutes per class to be in the orange zone. And the workouts, they're all slightly different, but there's there's usually like a bit of it on the... um, treadmills part of it on the rowing machines and part of it on the floor with weights um and so they I think it was last year they like had some kind of I can't remember what the figure was now but they had some like a bit massive turnover and so I sort of just went to try it out for a week or so to kind of see what all see what all the fuss was about dedicated a whole week 
hard, but it's fun for me. Like, okay, yeah. I love it. Okay. I love doing this stuff. But do they, like, come from the picture, look like they flooded the room with orange light? Or is that it's just... Very, it just is very orange. That's just, like, it's part like of the branding. Easy jet chic, you know yeah, what I mean? Like, just very orange. The only thing I have in relevant my life that's to do with exercise and colour is... Um, I did military boot camps religiously oh, for like a year and you're divided in colours. Oh. And I was always blue, which meant I was the bottom group. Aww. And I never, ever advanced to the red, ever, no matter Wait, how much I but tried. What are they basing that on? Your stamina, your fitness, your strength? Yeah, just all of it. It'd be like, right, do 30 push-ups and then run up to the tree and back and whoever came first was in the green and then... And I never brutal. got it. I never got it. That sounds really hard. But I am trying actually to be more like moderate and everything I do, which is ironic because wellness stuff is becoming, I feel like, quite wow. extreme. Well, I think it really depends. Like people, people, I think what has been really growing in recent years is kind of group workouts where it's they, they try and make it so much more about not just the workout, but the vibe. And it's about mind as well as body. And it's this group training experience. And that's kind of where you get places that do get a bit of a cult following. For example, F45, which has come over from Australia and is now everywhere. I've not heard of that. Oh, God, I don't rate it, to be honest. I would not recommend you do F45 okay. training, even though a lot of people swear by it. But this is just my personal opinion. F45 is, I think it stands for like functional 45. It's like 45-minute workouts. It's a different workout every day. And um, I didn't like it because I felt like the classes were so packed. You had to move around from station to station so quickly. There wasn't any real warm-up or cool-down. Like, you Which weren't really shown. Yeah, it is important. You weren't really shown what you were doing. It felt like, yeah, you would come out of it feeling out of breath, sweaty, and like, yeah, I've probably burned some calories. But yeah, I don't think you... People... I don't think it's actually like that great for your body um and i didn't rate it but mm. that is something that is you know must be doing well because it's popular and it's growing how much do these classes cost you know oh f45 is quite expensive i can't remember the pricing but that's the thing they all are expensive in london there's like a massive boutique fitness scene and it's not yeah. just in london but it's probably the biggest of the uk here and you know, there's sort of independent studios popping up all over the shop as well as these kind of chains that are growing. But honestly, it is so expensive. It feels mm. to me like the average sort of one-off workout class mm. is about 18, 20 pounds now for maybe a 45-minute class. It's outrageous. Mm. The thing is, people are so demanding now as well because, you know, the prices will be high for the classes, but then it's also expected that it's going to be, you know, swanky changing rooms with nice toiletries mm. and they'll provide you with deodorant and hair bubbles mm. and, and, you know, like things like that. Mm. People are very demanding with this like boutique fitness scene, but it does mean the price is just sore. Yeah. But what I never understood is like, well, you can tell me more about this, um, the whole argument about endorphins, it's like, yeah, you get half an hour an hour of endorphins, but if I've been dreading the class the entire day, <laughs> the balance is kind of skewing. I mean, I feel very strongly about this okay. because what I hate is, and and I, I used to be guilty of this until I found out and I discovered what forms of exercise I enjoy because I was like most people in that I saw exercise as something I should do, I have to do. Um, because it's good for me 
but I would I would make myself do things like that I didn't enjoy you know go to classes I hated or go and you know spend 45 minutes on a cross trainer and hate it and that means you get that whole that massive dread leading up to it and then afterwards the endorphins is actually just oh good that's over over, which is not the same thing as actually feeling like oh yes I can't wait to go and do this class or do whatever it might be that you actually enjoy so I'm such a strong especially if you're paying so much for it Mm. don't pay so much money to do something that you're gonna dread but punishment is part of this like the whole adverts for that can't remember what gym it was but even the adverts they just make it look like you're in chains and you're really really sweaty and it just it looks like people want to be paying for punishment i feel like there are some people who go into a workout kind of just wanting to come out feeling annihilated yeah otherwise they feel like they haven't done it properly yeah it's not really my vibe to be honest yeah. i don't I'm know if that is wellness to be honest maybe not no i don't know i think some people that is they they really want that i'm not one of those people <laughs> like generally i hate hit training like high intensity interval training mm-hmm. um and I, I just, and now I'm just kind of, I'm over doing things that I hate. And I do try different things out f- for work. Yeah. But if it's something I'm choosing to do for me, nah, I'm not going to do something that I don't actually enjoy. So tell me more about this because you wrote for um, your employer about your losing half your body fat in six months. Yeah, it was kind of interesting because... I I lost some body fat. I was pleased that I maintained my strength and I did that by strength training, high protein, not being in too drastic a calorie deficit. Um, But by reducing my body fat percentage, I, you know, being a little bit leaner, as is the word people always use, people then kind of just start to take you a bit more seriously to talk about fitness, Mm. which is problematic. um, As in, you know, like you don't have, like... My strength hasn't really changed. Because you've been doing it four or five times a week anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like, yeah, there are health benefits to carrying a bit less body fat, but it wasn't like I was obese or anything. Mm. Um, So, you know, I dropped maybe like a dress size or something, Mm. um, depending on what shop you go into. Because (laughs) Lord knows what size I am, really. Um, And so that, I yeah, that was just something I kind of wanted to do for me. But obviously... If you are someone who puts yourself out there a bit in through my work or through social media, like people are always going to comment, and so you know. What was the reaction? Um, generally, very positive because people were like, "Wow, okay, you're not promoting any sort of fad, any weird diets. You didn't cut any foods out. You like, and that was very much my approach." Um, so people were very much like, oh, this is inspirational and helpful, which was really nice to hear. Mm. But there were some people who were then saying like oh I'm trying really hard to be more body positive and love my body as it is and it doesn't help me Mm. with you saying you've lost weight and I was like Mm. I can't I can't it's not my fault like how you might react to what I'm doing I'm just trying to actually help people if they want to and I'm not saying I'm not I know we live in a culture where a lot of women feel like we have to lose weight we're not worth anything unless we're slim and that's totally not my message at all Mm -hmm. so that's kind of difficult to hear but like you can't get into an argument with every person on the internet absolutely you You know the last two coincidentally podcasts I listened to had really interesting discussions about like wellness and Instagram one was the high low with Bella Mackie who wrote Jog On um, and she was saying similar things, messages to you, like her running was more of a lifestyle thing and it was to help, like, well, it, for her, it was to help her mental health and it wasn't about 
it wasn't really about anything else. And she's not saying, oh, I'm like a marathon runner now or I'm really fast. She's just doing what she can do. And the other um, podcast was Fern Cotton speaking to Ellie Goulding. And Ellie Goulding went on this big thing about how much she hates um, Instagram and how um, we should all just get off it because it's bad for our mental health and we don't need to Instagram. Well, she didn't say get off it, but she said, you don't need to take a walk in the woods and then take a picture of it. And to be mm. honest, that is something I do yeah. relate to. Yeah. So I am on Instagram, it's been quite recent, um, but I have a really complex relationship with it. And it's like, not even love-hate, it's more like hate, don't <laughs> so much dislike. What What is your relationship with Instagram? And do you think it's playing a part in this whole wellness thing? Oh, massively. I don't think kind of fitness, wellness, etc., has ever been so kind of trendy and been so aspirational. And I think that is largely to do with Instagram. Mm. So I should say, I think there are positives to that. Like if it's now cooler for people to eat vegetables, that's great <laughs> because yep. I'm sorry, vegetables are fantastic for us. And there's no denying that. Mm. But if it is actually just popularizing this kind of unattainable body image and people posing, in, you know, in weird contorted angles to make their bums look bigger and their waist look smaller, and actually it's, you know, it's not actually helping people. It's just like the idea of the ideal body image has just shifted to something else that's hard for people to achieve, even if it is more of a, like, a we're strong and healthy, not we're just, like, skinny, skinny, skinny. Mm. Um, that still can be damaging for mm. people. So I just think people need to curate their feeds and follow people of diverse body shapes and sizes. And, you know, there are so many amazing people you can follow who... That you see cats and dogs home. Well, <laughs> that too. But within kind of the fitness and health sphere, mm. you can follow people who are going to show you that there's no one size you have to be to mm. do exercise and be fit. And there's people who are going to not put out damaging stuff like, oh, I just did this tea detox and lost three stone in a week. Mm. Hashtag ad. Um, and, you know, don't follow people like that. Follow people who maybe are, you know, registered nutritionists and dietitians and are going to actually share useful pieces of information for you so you can get inspiration, you can get education. And, like, I I, I actually love Instagram. Mm. But it's because I'm, I try and be very self-aware and reflect on am I following anyone who's going to make me feel really bad about myself? Or am I following people who I like, people who are funny, people who inspire me, people, yeah, that I get ideas from? So I think, I don't think it's a bad thing. But I think, you, yeah, like, don't be forced. Don't feel like you have to use it if you don't want to use it. Talking of the um, person who did a tea detox, whatever, mm. tell me about the woman who did lettuce-setti. Lettuce-setti, is that how you pronounce it? Oh, yeah, that was quite, or something. That was quite horrific. Yeah, so obviously this is kind of... <laughs> Courgette has been around for a long time, hasn't it? Your courgette noodles, spiralized courgette. I believe in America they call them zoodles because of zucchini, zucchini noodles. And you can now, in Sainsbury's, not even now, it's not new, you can get boodles, butternut squash noodles, which are actually more delicious than courgette ones, if you ask me. And, like, I am not against getting more veg and fibre into your daily life, it's not, it's not something that's the same as spaghetti, let's, let's just be mm -hmm, clear. Mm -hmm. it, it's a different thing. It's not bad. But if you're trying to say, like, this is as good as spaghetti, no, it's not. Um, and so then there was this woman on Instagram who's like, 
an influencer and she made she tried to <laughs> she tried to like replace spaghetti bolognese but instead of spaghetti she just like shredded up lettuce into really small bits and then the bolognese was like some raw tomato blended up thing it's like, like a salad it was a salad it's really it's just it makes me feel kind of sad like thing is right it anything has to be sustainable and i don't think ripped up lettuce is joy is any kind of joy we should be sparking joy in our diets absolutely. as well as in our homes absolutely and i just feel like there is that gradually this shift away from demonizing foods as good or bad and food guilt and i think that's fantastic because i do think that's ultimately what leads to so many people binging and like i've been there i'm I still get there sometimes is that you know food's being well, forbidden is made for right but that's the thing like we will never learn to enjoy things in moderation if we can't stop feeling guilty or like we've had a treat or something bad mm-hmm. that we're not meant to have because then when you deprive 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 resist 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 then when you cave you're gonna demolish everything inside because you're like oh well i've we're not allowed to swear yeah oh. sure oh well you'll say like i fucked it now yeah so i might as well just like eat everything in the freezer or like you know i think a lot of these um the the bad side of it capitalizes on people like me who had a difficult relationship with food as a teenager and I well before I guess wellness was a thing I used to work in a deli as a teenager and it sold all the vitamins and all the things that we talk about now um and I got obsessed with this so-called doctor turned out to be a sham Gillian McKeith I don't know if you've ever heard of her she was one of the very first in this really skinny scrawny Mm. Scottish woman and so I used to spend hours like cooking mung beans and alfalfa sprouts and seaweed and stuff I hated. And I'd be spending my like pocket money or my hard earned money at the deli on this crap. So now I must admit, when I look at certain products being advertised, I'm like, don't do it. Don't go back to that 16 year old girl that wanted to be skinny. Well, and we've it's all, dangerous. We've all been there and we all love the idea of there being some like magic pill, yeah. some silver bullet that's mm-hmm. going to you know, make us absolute health goddesses and we're going to be in flawless shape and we're going to be glowing all the time. But it just doesn't exist. So why is it that I'm 31 and I like to think I'm semi-intelligent and (laughs) self-aware, but why is it that I, and hopefully others, people, we are aware of this, what you're saying, and yet we don't quite believe it. Like, I'm going to reference Gia Tolentino again because I think she's amazing, but she wrote this essay in her book about, and it was in all the Guardian long reads, I think, and she was talking about the bar and wellness and that, and she said that we're all constantly walking towards this, like, mirage of the self-idealised woman. And it's true, we are. Mm. Like, I can I can rant about how much I dislike Instagram most days, but I still, I'm still on it. Mm. I still believe that this perfect version of me is there and I'm getting towards it. Why? Why do I fall for it? The thing is... I don't necessarily think there's anything bad with being aspirational or wanting to improve your health, wanting to better yourself. You know, when it comes from a place of, you know, I want to sleep more, I want to eat more of my five a day, you know, you think that they're not bad things to aim for. Mm. They're good. But they usually cost money in the way they're advertised, right? Well, this is the thing. I think, like, actual health 
needn't be expensive mm-hmm. but it's if you're taking like excessive supplements and rogue ingredients that actually we don't need like you can get everything you need from just a, a balanced normal diet mm. you know you don't but we've all been there like i've dabbled in so many weird things in my time thinking what's like, the weirdest thing you've dabbled in uh, so when I was in my final year of uni, what a time, um, I decided to try alkaline eating. Oh my God, what is Yeah, that? so this was, uh, I read this thing in the paper that said that if you eat an alkaline diet, you can like change your, something about your body's natural pH mm-hmm. and it, which you know what alkaline eating essentially involved being uh, vegan, gluten free, and refined sugar free. <laughs> I have to say the main reason I decided to do this was because I had very bad acne at the time, mm. and the woman talking about it had said that it had improved her skin. Mm-hmm. So I did that for a little over a month, and was obviously you know making like my homemade spelt pizza bases and you know zucchini noodles all over the shop Mm. um and i think it was maybe in like the february i went to the cinema cinema with some girlfriends and they were like do you want to pick a mix and i was like yes (laughs) yes i do and that was the point and that was it i was like no and like i'm not actually 100 percent sure if it did anything for my skin um because before I could even kind of see any change, I actually then went to see a dermatologist and got some actual scientific, mm. you know, stuff to scientifically proven <laughs> ways to improve my acne. Um, but oh, yeah, it was just like, you get sucked into the thinking, this is going to be it. This is yeah. going to sort me out. Mm. And I get it. A lot of people want to be told what to do. They want to be given a plan, a yes. diet plan, for example, mm-hmm, a workout mm-hmm. plan. Mm -hmm. Um, that's gonna tell them everything they need about how to reach this like higher level of being but usually if there's anything you actually want to stick to to like live a healthy lifestyle can't really be a plan you just need to work out how to live your life because we always have curveballs and busy days and stress and so um I made a wee list of things I've bought recently or over the years that were bad for wellness and <laughs> the most recent one is a mega mist hydraulic face spray wow 26 pounds <laughs> um live like louise plan this is really embarrassing i'm not gonna oh. go into detail because i mention it in the next episode which is the christmas yeah, i think series. i got sent her book <laughs> 35 pounds normally 200 uh shrink wrap i've done microdermabrasion i've done hot yoga i've bought cork yoga mat i've yeah i've done a lot what what would you say is like an example of a good or bad spend? Could be recent, could be not so, so recent. I'm tr- I've been trying to think of like bad wellness spends that I've done, but I, none actually massively came to me apart from like when I was back in the day doing those things like, you know, buying spelt everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there are things that I actually do think it's really worth investing in that don't have to be expensive. Mm-hmm. So I, for example, just like literally very cheap off Amazon, have a couple of resistance bands. So I find them very useful when traveling. 
or for like an at-home workout if I haven't got time to go to the gym because as I said I love my resistance training and it's hard to do that without equipment Mm. but you can do good stuff with resistance bands and they are literally so cheap I also like I think I'm naturally a frugal person I'm naturally quite thrifty um and so and this, this is going to literally sound very ridiculous and very millennial. But sometimes I'm in the supermarket and I'm literally like, oh, should I get berries? Or should I just get like an apple? Mm. Well, you know, sometimes I'm like, do you know what? If you're going to be excited and really want to eat those berries, it's worth it. Invest in your health. Great. It makes porridge like a dream. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And sometimes yeah. I'm like, should I get the avocado or should I try and buy a house? I'm like, avocado. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the avocado <laughs> debate. I saw your article about we should... I mean, the science about eating an avocado a day is like this peak. Oh, yeah, good times. That's I feel like I write great. about avocados a lot, actually. But you know what? They apparently have fat, which makes you feel... Oh, fills you up. They're very good for you. They're I a great source of fibre as well. really resent spending, like, a fiver on a sandwich and it not being full. Oh, like, the worst. That's just not It's really not painful. Good. It's really painful, that. So, can I ask a money question relating to yeah. the body fat bit? Um, mm. Do you think you spent money on that journey or do you think you actually save money because you were probably spending mm. less on alcohol and that kind yeah of that. that's actually really interesting because so i i bought a set of scales again from amazon i think they're about 15 pounds or something not very expensive just because i realized i actually had i didn't have any scales mm. and i was like the scale is not everything. Like, actually, you know, you want to measure things with a tape measure. And to actually to do the body fat scans, I even had to do that at, like, a special gym. Mm. Um, that wasn't a machine I had myself. Um, so I I didn't have to buy a new gym membership. I already had my gym membership. And I, yeah, I, th- as I was drinking less, definitely, which is a money saver. I also, I'm a big walker. And so, one there. I love walking for multiple reasons, but two of the main ones are you save money by not getting public transport, and it's like good exercise. Mm-hmm. So and it's part of you just have to go from A to B. You don't exactly. Yeah. And like for my mental health as well. So I walk to work every day and back, apart from if it's pissing it down. How long does that take? Forty-five minutes That's each good. way. But I love it because if I get public transport in the morning, I arrive at work in a foul mood. No, I hate podcasts that. I do some really good ones. <laughs> um, so I don't think I really sort of spent a lot of money on kind of you know losing weight. Mm. I don't, and the thing is, ultimately, what what I think is an issue in probably this country, but generally the world, is that you know what. A salad is always more expensive than a sandwich. Um, you know, to get like a smoothie or, you know, something, some sort of yogurt thing for breakfast is always more expensive than like a croissant. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get a Big Mac for a lot cheaper than you can get something with, you know, high quality ingredients. And, and that is an issue. And the thing is, you know, there's nothing wrong with a sandwich, but if you're, you know, trying to hit your five a day with vegetables or something, or if you're trying to, you know, get more protein in or whatever, whatever it might be, mm. it's often it often is more expensive when eating out to um, to buy the healthier or the more kind of nutrient rich option. Yeah. So that that is an issue. That and like obviously if you're on a budget, that can be really hard. Eating out in restaurants often the case as well. 
Yeah. Do you, have you ever given any thought to like, you know, we talk a lot about millennials and how much they spend per month and, you know, far too much is on rent, for example. Yeah. Travel's expensive or can be, not if you walk, but um, <laughs> do you think about how much as a figure or even just a percentage, how much you spend like on your gym yeah. membership and the wellness side of life? Completely. So I moved flats in the summer and I moved to a flat on my own, which I was very excited about because I wanted to do that for a long time. But I, I knew it was more than I could afford. And I knew that until I got a pay rise, I would be kind of spending some of my savings, which I hoped would only be for a few months. Mm. But I also realised I had to make cuts. So I used to play netball twice a week. I cut that down to one time a week because that was a... I, I was like, I need to find more money somewhere. Mm. And, you know, it was other things like I'd got into a very lavish habit of getting a manicure every month. Had to stop that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I do think about the what I'm spending on money. Like, I... I have uh, a membership of Fitness First, um, and it's one, really one of the cheaper gyms. Oh yeah, the gym I used to be a member of them. It's yeah. not. It's not like the cheapest, but it's 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 one. Of, it's on the cheaper end. It's not like a Cube or a Virgin. I don't know if Cube's the right thing. <laughs> one of the really high boutique. Oh, ones. there are yeah, some of the ones the you know they're two hundred plus mm-hmm. a month, yeah. and it's outrageous. Um, and what I actually love most about Fitness First, and I'm not trying to like plug them but they're everywhere yeah and convenience is everything mm. like the main one I go to is on my walk to and from work and or say I've got plans somewhere else in the evening but I've got a bit of time to kill first I know I'm never far from a gym and I've got mm. the multi-gym membership mm-hmm. so for me that is just so worth it I really don't get people who will buy a gym membership and then don't go just like don't don't pay for the membership whereas I love the gym and to me, like, fitting it into my life is all about convenience. So I genuinely believe if you don't know what gym to pick, choose the one nearest to your home or your work. Mm, yeah. um, so for me, that's really worth spending on. But yeah, of course, it's like, it is something where I, I, you know, factor in, you know, what you're spending. And like, when it comes to classes, I am, you know, fortunate that because of my job, I get to try out new ones when they launch, but I still obviously go with my friends or whatever, but... I was going to ask you that. Do you get any free free perks? Yeah, I do. And that's really nice. Like, it's a real privilege to get to try things out or be one of the first to do things and, you know, and like meet people in the industry uh, because of my job. But I still, you know, I still obviously pay to do classes as well, but I'm very much like probably not going to do more than like two a month. Do you ever um, get intimidated by big burly men in the gym? Oh, I get asked that so much, but genuinely not in the slightest. And the reason I don't is I get so many you messages. You like proper weights. Yeah. I've and got I, like my five, like the lowest weight little <laughs> rip curl things. I get um, a lot of messages from women being like, how are you not terrified to be the only woman in a room of men in the weights room? And Because sometimes I am the only woman. Mm-hmm. But I genuinely, it doesn't phase me at all. And the reason for this is that, so... I like learned to train with like a, a very good personal trainer and that was something I did back at the independent so that was again a very privileged position to be in um and I well, know it was paid for by work it wasn't paid for by work it was just a thing I was doing for oh, work so okay. it, you know that kind of thing yeah. but I do believe that um if you have even just one session with a PT and most PTs offer you one free session anyway Mm. and you can ask them to teach some basics and I think if you know what you're doing at least you know a few moves then you 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 can go in there feeling more confident that you're like well I know what I'm doing leave me alone I also don't feel intimidated because 
most of the dudes in there are just like annoying and they're just like showing off and grunting and I just think they're stupid Mm -hmm. so I don't even remotely feel intimidated by them like the other day this guy was all like um I was on the squat rack you know but I was doing shoulder press and this guy was like how long are you gonna be and I was like I've got like three sets left and he was like oh okay I'll wait and I was like oh you know you can come in in between when I'm resting and he was like oh no because I'm gonna be adding like so much more weight like really a lot of weight and I was just like piss off like go away of course you're gonna add more weight you're squatting I'm shoulder pressing leave me alone you mentioned on a recent BBC uh, radio interview something about dabbling or or Mm. working with brands Mm. so can you tell me a little bit about have you because you've got a lot of followers on Instagram like do people approach you to yeah so I've read in the scheme of things I really don't have very many followers but um I I have done some like yeah as I said dabbled I've dabbled (laughs) in the sort of producing sponsored content field um which is a a weird old world to be Mm. honest like I was surprised at kind of how many stages there were to it and every every time I'd done it it was slightly different like sometimes it would be through a platform where you have to apply to get on it you then have to apply to be on specific campaigns with brands and then they'll tell you they'll very specifically what they want what they want the picture to be what they want the caption to say it has to include such and such a message it has to you know various things like that loopholes you have to jump through and then they'll then have to check your post before it goes live and they might send it back to you multiple times saying this isn't good enough and like it's really a lot of faff. Do they let you kind of have your own personality with it or not? Yeah well I would always try to because whenever I've done it I I only would want it to be for a brand Mm. that I actually like or use already because otherwise I just think it's so cringe and awkward Mm. um and it's really it, it can be a bit difficult and like as I said I've only really done it a handful of times is it good money or do they send you free stuff or how so does it work? uh the ones i've done before were always sort of i think about 80 to 150 pounds a post okay. so if you ask me pretty decent money for mm. someone who has about five thousand and something followers um obviously if you're like a top top influencer you can get loads mm. i i do get brands sliding my into my dms saying can they just like give me stuff and i'll post about it and i'm like no would people pay you for doing on an insta story as opposed to a post so there have been some things where they um they will ask you to as part of like the deal you have to do a post and a story and so i did one actually the whole thing was about an event and so you had to do a story on the night and they had to okay everything on the story so that was quite labor intensive yeah that does sound um so yeah it's like it's a lot more work than people think actually (laughs) and on that note you did a great article about behind the scenes of like a professional insta shoot and it was just really powerful to see the images you would portray on Instagram and then behind the scenes, like the camera taking the picture of you in certain poses. And it really does. And going to the certain neighborhoods with like the painted yeah. houses. I'm like, oh my God, I have seen so many people pose in that neighborhood. Like how long did that whole shoot take? Hours, I presume. Oh, this is when we went to Notting Hill. Yeah, yeah. it took so long. Like, well, at least half a day. Um, and it was it was ridiculous because in Notting Hill now they have like the residents have signs in their windows saying please do not stand on my really? stairs and take pictures oh my god um it's sort of 
just a cliche in, on itself now and like it's been Notting Hill's just been totally hyped up as like the area with the colourful houses even though actually there are a lot of nice areas in London that have beautiful <laughs> pink houses but um yeah it's funny like and we we were kind of just we did like some cl- some shoots some shots sorry in like my like normal clothes and then we did some shots like in my workout gear so mm. we could do some like the whole fitness influencer thing it was very funny to be honest i wanted to mention your article about nano influencers mm. which made me feel so happy because te- <laughs> technically i could be one with 100 or 200 people um but you wrote about how brands are actually keen to work with smaller yeah. audiences. So tell me briefly about that, because that's very hopeful. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think there has everyone I've spoken to that kind of works in influencer marketing, um, because I do kind of write a lot about that as well, is basically saying there's really there's this shift away from working with the huge influencers because actually they're they're celebrities now and they're almost so unattainable. Like whatever they say almost seems to out of reach like they're not real people whereas the smaller influencers who maybe have you know a few thousand followers tens of thousands or so um I think people who follow them feel like they know them feel like they're closer to them almost feel like what they're saying is more genuine mm. than someone who has a million followers mm. which you can I think you can sort of understand and also if you're you know trying to target a more specific group for example you know people who live in North London or something, mm. then working with someone who posts sort of solely about that and their followers are based there it makes more sense for the brand, mm. I think. Yeah, that does make sense. So yeah, there's scope. So uh, what I was going to mention earlier was just a general comment about, I think, like, the exasperation of like, keeping up. Like, Ugh. because even if you have a positive relationship with Instagram, which is great, I admire that, it's like, you must have days or even weeks when you're like you want to switch off um or you yeah you just want to separate yourself yeah. so I kind of that ties into a question I had about how do you maintain boundaries and you've already mentioned feeding sorry following the right people in your feed but how do you feel about those bad days and yeah. how, what other ways do you maintain boundaries so I'm really bad at that to be honest I am someone who always try and you know, leave my phone in the living room when I go to bed, but I'm a very bad sleeper, so mm. I'll get up in the night and go and get it because I, I remember something I have to note down on my phone, so then I note that down, but then I inevitably then open Instagram. Why? Why do I do that? I don't know. Um, and yeah, there is obviously, like every person, you'll post something and then sometimes be like, hasn't got very many likes very quickly. Should I delete it? Is it good? Is it Oh my bad? God, I've had that. I've deleted tweets that haven't gone anywhere. Because Everyone, it's just, it's kind of embarrassing. Like, oh my God, no one, no one liked it? <laughs> well, like, I don't know. I remember when... Um, I'm glad you've admitted to that. 100%. Also, for example, when I was, I was recently in Dubai, and I, this is the most ridiculous sentence I've ever said, but I'd just come from Australia, and I got so used to posting on Instagram in like, the first thing in the morning in Australia because I knew that that was on all my friends back home it was the evening and they were on their Instagram yeah, yeah. and then I got to Dubai and I got confused and I posted it in the morning there and then I realized <laughs> everyone was asleep and Time no one was going to see it and poor jet set me messed up my Instagram <laughs> schedule um but yeah you you have to kind of get a grip sometimes don't mm. you and which I think it, which is why I think it's very interesting that Instagram is kind of trialing this whole hiding the likes on pictures yeah um, is from, that gonna actually properly happen well uh, from what i know they're just trialing it with like select people mm. within the uk i don't have it yet but i think the idea is that 
you'll still be able to see how many people have liked your photo, but you won't be able to see how many likes other people's photos have. I believe that's what it is. I might be wrong. I kind of like that. It reminds me of being on Facebook and inviting people to your party and you can't, you can... Can't see. Who says no. And now you can see who's you've seen the invitation and just not responded. <laughs> it's so a cruel savage, world. It's isn't it? It's such a cruel yeah, world. Yeah, boundaries, uh, not very good at setting them, to be honest. But I, I personally believe I am someone who... I'm, well, okay, Instagram gets a lot of stick for making people feel insecure and like they're just not good enough all the time. Mm-hmm. Whereas I personally, I don't, I don't feel like that when I scroll through my Instagram. I don't feel like, oh, someone else is on a glamorous holiday or someone else is at that party. Now I feel shit in comparison. That doesn't happen for me. I'm, I'm on the whole secure in myself which is obviously, not in every way, God I, God knows I have insecurities, um, but it doesn't, I, I want to see my friends on their travels and having a lovely time. And mm. and so I, I think that's a nice position to be in, but if you're not there, you got to sort it out because if it's just making you feel worse by yourself, it's not worth it. And I did, I have unfollowed people that just make me feel bad about myself. Um, and it, you know what's also really interesting is something that I found a bit earlier this year and some of my like friends who are you know real proper fitness influencers they always have said that it's actually super depressing that when they lose weight they get more followers mm-hmm. even if it's like they were ill for a bit so they lost some yeah. weight and that is super depressing I have brought that up within my group of friends, actually, just saying we always compliment each other when we've noticed that because we all live in different places and you catch up after six months. Oh, you look so tiny. No, no, let's stop doing that. And they mean it. It's like well-intentioned, but it gets in my brain. So if they don't say it the next time, I'm like, oh, that means I haven't lost anything or I don't look as good as last time. I think we have to address all those little toxic pockets in our own lives. I actually think it's really hard because... You want, it's really hard to find the right balance in how we talk about things, what you put on social media, how you feel about yourself and striking the balance between, you know, sounds kind of like ridiculous again, but like loving yourself how you are, you know, but also wanting to be your healthiest version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if you don't feel good in yourself as you are, if you feel sluggish, if you're lacking in energy, if, you know, there's things you could work on Mm. that might then also match up or reflect some sort of weight loss if you have some weight to lose but you know if you don't then you don't you can still improve your health in other ways like weight loss does not equate to health you can be very slim and very unhealthy on that note do you know sophie hagan she wrote that memoir um about what was it called well her podcast is like fat happy or something yeah but reading her book really really made me think about fat phobia in our society and how baked in it is to everything mm. everything mm. so i'm actually that was a real example of a book that i read recently and felt pretty happy and positive after it um i guess the last thing i wanted to ask was just um where does it end right because i've heard other discussions of it's it it's kind of ties into this, this feminist thing about women trying to have it all and making yeah. the most out of their day and endless producti- productivity and having a smoothie in the morning and then running 10k and then being perfect to work and being a perfect mother and friend like yeah wellness contributes to that i think yeah so how do we how do we try and not aim to have it all when actually it's kind of impossible 
Oh my gosh, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Like it's it's great if everyone's being encouraged to look after themselves and it's cool to be healthy and fit. But yeah, it can't just be something that is just an added pressure. And spending that, loads of money in the process. Exactly. Yeah. And I that, I do think that's a bad thing about Instagram is people feeling like, you know, instead of being seen in like the hottest nightclubs, they need to be posting from like the trendiest gyms or whatever. And then they're just spending all their money on that just to get a selfie of them there. Um so I think it just kind of, you, you have to, again, surround yourself with people, both like in real life and online. IRL. IRL. <laughs> I know, real life you friends. You tell my age here. And, <laughs> um, who, you know, are, are real and show it how it is and will say things like, yeah, I, d- I couldn't be asked to go to the gym today, but that's fine. That doesn't matter. Like that actually knowing when to give yourself a break to have a rest, to listen to your body, to sit on the sofa and eat. That is, oh my God, I sound so millennial, but that is self-care, <laughs> you know? Like, and that's good for you as well. Like taking time off is good for you. Gives your body a break. And I think you have to remember that what's right for one person just isn't right for another. So, you know, and also you just have to take everything with a pinch of salt online anyway. Because the people who are like, with their green juice, like, just ran 20k, like, shut up, you don't do that all the time. Or if you do, you're, that's joyless. Unless that's, you really love it. But if they love it, great, doesn't mean you have to. I take away from that, sitting on the sofa and eating, and I definitely will continue with that. <laughs> so, Self-care! <laughs> thank you very much, Rachel, it's really Thank fun. you! Thank you for listening to An Honest Account. Next week is the last episode of season two and it's all about Christmas and New Year's resolutions. So join me, Nicholas Lawson and Tola Fisher for that one. In the meantime, you can tweet us at honest underscore account underscore. We're also on Instagram or you can email us contact at anhonestaccount.co.uk and see you then.